Welcome to Call Your Girlfriends. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> I can't resist. Stop. I'm sorry. That's I'm amazing. sorry. Uh, okay, wait. I'm Ann Friedman. And I'm Amina Tussaud. <laughs> oh, wait. A podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. Whoops. <laughs> We're keeping the intro like that this week because guess what? It's Christmas and there is forgiveness in the air. It's fine. This year has been a slog. I'm like, Christmas is like, ah, yeah, sure, whatever. It's like a dominant, it's a dominant Christian holiday, but it's also basically just like goodbye 2015. Yeah, you know, I don't celebrate Christmas. For me, it's mostly like, uh, this is the first kind of, you know, it's like Thanksgiving is the first real break that you get in the fall. And if you don't have like weird Christmas family stuff like me, then Christmas is the time where you're like, yes, I finally get time to myself. This is great. Yeah. I feel like that week between Christmas and New Year's is just delicious. Like we're on the cusp of one of my favorite weeks of like just sitting around reading novels and getting stoned all day. No, exactly. Uh, preach. That's that's where we are. Um, also, Anne, can I tell you, my skin is so soft from our weekend at the spa. I'm dying. Oh, the mud bath. I mean, I nearly had a claustrophobic meltdown in the mud bath, but I was I was like so relaxed after I forgot about the stress <laughs> of the Han Solo carbonite mud bath experience. It's okay. I had a meltdown in the sauna that was too hot. And then the next day, somebody did confirm to me that it was in fact too hot. So I was not being a baby. You bolted out of the sauna. I thought they were going to flag you as like an insurance risk and like <laughs> tackle you. Listen, this one like drop of water dropped in like a spot in my head that was like just prime for it and I felt like it scalded my scalp and I was like I have got to get out of here I mean I don't feel like we're painting a picture that we had the most relaxing oh, like couple best, days at the spa but we had the, we had the best time we had the like actual best time at the spa it was great I just Ugh. I'm just like shocked at how soft my skin still is like days after yeah again though like great things to do on like the cusp of a new year treat yourself yeah that's right <laughs> shout out to the napa valley thanks <laughs> oh man other shout out is to um all of our awesome listeners who together you guys have collectively donated five thousand dollars to zana africa which is the period supply donating organization that we selected for a group giving endeavor which is so good i like can't i like honestly cannot believe how many people have like written us and you know like tweeting at us and all and all this you know just like people are really good it's like just for ten dollars you can sponsor one kenyan girl with like in period supplies for a whole year that's amazing so basically 500 i'm trying to do my math correctly but like thanks to people who listen to this 500 kenyan girls are like getting their period supplies taken care of thanks to call your girlfriend girlfriends which is awesome you guys are you guys are amazing Obviously, we're nothing if not overachievers. So if it's kind of on your mind that you want to do this or you're still looking to, you know, to spend some of that last minute holiday cash or give a gift in, in honor of some of your friends, definitely go to ZanaAfrica.org. You know, do what you got to do. Oh, yeah. When you're the year is not over yet. When you're having your like digesting slash half asleep slash tumbler time, like whatever you're doing with your laptop in bed while you're on like this calm break between holidays. Yeah. Z-A-N-A Africa dot org. And um, multiples of 10 are awesome. We suggested that everyone give $40 last time, which tons of you did, which is great. But any amount is really welcome and awesome. That's right. Yay, periods, man. I just, I love that, like, you know, having a period is not going to keep 
girls away from school. That's awesome. Also, this podcast, all these menstruators walk in the walk. I love it. <laughs> like, like every, everyone is just like, I don't know. It, it makes me really happy also about like all of us and all of you guys and whatever. Warm fuzzies, warm holiday fuzzies. I'm trying to play it cool, but like I did get a little emotion. This is really cool. So if you feel like you want to be part of it, not too late. We're going to get to 10K, I swear. We're going to come back at you in 2016 and be like, yo, you guys donated 20K or something huge. Yeah. I just know it. We'll be like, this is this is going to be amazing. Okay. Yeah. What else is on the horizon for us? So we announced to everyone that we are launching a newsletter in uh, 2016 called The Bleed. If you go to callyourgirlfriend.com slash The Bleed, you can sign up. That's going to be awesome. It's going to arrive once a month to remind you of your power and fertility. It's going to be great. Um, we also are we are launching a website for some swag. Every once in a while, we'll update um, we'll update you with like what you can buy in there. What's the name for the website, Anne? Oh, shopcyg.com. Oh, um, so many things happening in 2016. I mean, it's not really. I mean, it's that's that's like all this stuff is kind of in progress. We're like, I think we're we're like announcing things before they are completely baked. But like, what are we if not pseudo professionals? <laughs> so. Exactly, and also you know it'll keep us honest. Oh, and on the honesty tip, you will very soon start hearing our very first ads on this very podcast, which I think are good. Like, we're not we're not going to say yes to any sponsors who conflict with our views about things. And so far, the businesses that we've talked to have all been things that we are actually using and excited to talk about. But just like a heads up that is happening because we need to make some money. Exactly. And, you know, also, we just like want to stay honest with all of you. Any ad that appears on the show, like for, you know, things that we either use or like, so that feels good. Exactly. Like our standards are high. Like they really are. It's not like, I don't yeah, know. we're like turning down like big tobacco and shit, like left and right for you guys. So, oh my God. Yeah. You better believe it. Like behind the scenes, we've just been saying no left and right, which is why we haven't had ads yet. Like our feminist principles. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> What else is happening in 2016? Um, you know, more DJ Khaled in our life, more success, more just everything. Well, I guess also like t today is Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everyone. <laughs> and if you celebrate, happy holidays. If you don't, we know that it can be like kind of a stressful time being at home and with, uh, you know, with your family sometimes. Right. So we just kind of, you know, we're trying to end the note on some like really super posy vibes and uh yeah, give people some advice for stuff that they need. Yeah, we're here for you. And in fact, so this is, I know, you know, we are having a long conversation, but technically this is a phone a friend episode. I talked to the advice columnist and all around fantastic writer, Heather Haverleski, who is the author of the Ask Polly column at uh, New York Magazine. And she's awesome. She talked a lot about like how you even go about giving advice and the kinds of problems people have. And I think in general, whether you are feeling burnt out on family or however you normally celebrate the holiday or whether you're just like in chill mode, it's going to be the perfect thing to listen to today.
Heather, thank you for coming to my house. Thanks for having me. I'm very happy to be here. In case people who listen to the podcast are not familiar with your incredible work, could you give us like a, a little greatest hits slash synopsis? Oh, greatest hits. I or, can't do that. Okay. I don't know. Um, what do you want people to I know about so you? I do so many things. What See, do you want people to know about you? People always say that. They're always like, just put just put in the things that you want people to know. It's like, I want them to know about my dogs. I have two dogs. They're great. <laughs> um, the main thing, the, the, the kind of headliner, I think, right now is that I write an advice column called Ask Polly for New York Magazine. It's on the cut. They're um, sort of, how do you describe it? Lady, kind of. It's they don't like it when you say lady, though. They don't, I don't like know. it. The the kind fashion of and gender, almost mm. sort of women's magazine portion, but it's for men too. Sure. Um, so I write uh, this advice column called Ask Polly. It started as an existential advice column, so it has kind of an existential slant, I'd say. But it also ranges far and wide and is profane. Vulgar, aggressive, uh, humorous, fun, fun, funny. I think it's sweet. I think it's also like sometimes very kind. sweet. Sometimes, and it should. Every single column should end with an epiphany. That's the goal, yeah. which is t- troubled. It's a troubled goal to have. Um, and then I also write um, cultural uh, criticism, which mostly means I criticize our culture. Um, and I write book reviews for Book Forum. I have a column in Book Forum. And I also write a cartoon for The Onion's new celebrity site, which is called uh, Starwipe. And my cartoon is called Antimatter with uh, Dana Wolfcote. So, yeah, I do, I do lots of different things. You're everywhere. Yeah, I'm spread too thin is one way to put it. Does it feel like you're spread too thin? Uh, right now it does. I feel like I keep saying yes. I just read this book Shauna Rhymes, The Year of Yes. Oh, Year of Yes. Yeah. I'm reviewing it for the New York Times. And? Um, when does this podcast come out? Mm, I don't know. I don't, don't want spo- to spoil my own review. It's really good. I like the book a lot. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think I've been saying yes too much. I think I need a year of no. I mean, I think that that could be a bestseller. Does that already exist? The year well, of no? You know, I don't think it does. And I actually had kind of, I'm realizing now that I'm saying yes to everything that I said no to things for about a decade. My husband recently said, I said, you know, it's strange. I meet people out for drinks a lot. And when I meet people online, I say, um, let's get together a lot. Uh, I'm very social now, even though I have two little kids at home. And he was and I was like, it's strange because I feel like I wasn't like that four years ago. And he was like, you weren't really like that 10 years ago either like you were kind of a shut-in um so yeah i think i had a decade of no you were just seized by the urge to say yes to people on the internet and meet them in person like I, me i'm an internet person well you know twi- <laughs> i feel like twitter has kind of reformed my brain around kind of mm. water virtual water cooler behavior although i'm kind of i don't know you have a it's like a troubled relationship that one has with twitter you have sometimes that you're kind of like, ah, oh, it's so comforting to go on Twitter, and other times where it's like, yeah, I fucking hate these people. I have like Twitter days. <laughs> I have a, I'm, a, I'm like, I'm really on Twitter today, but then other days I just barely pay any attention. Yes, that's me how too. I do it. And then sometimes if I'm really on deadline and I'm behind, I go on, but it's bad. It's mm. not good. It's like, it's like, ta- it's like calling someone that's a friend and saying, hey, so how are you? When you're in a really bad mood. <laughs> The self-loathing scroll is what I refer that to. Yeah, yeah it's about that. It's yeah. about it's about like, oh God, I'm not doing the work I wish I were doing. I'm just gonna scroll. Yeah, scroll and who is this? Him again? Why doesn't he shut up? 
sick of that guy. Yes. Well, I mean, there are many things that we could talk about, but the the thing I most want to ask you about is it's about you know the the business of advice, the phenomenon, the um, I don't know what else to call it, the 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 trade that you're in, which is essentially being a fantastic writer, but also delivering epiphanies to people who have some kind of life crisis or minor quandary. Yeah, it's a really strange trade to be in, definitely. And um, I feel like it's very addictive, too. It's strange because I have been writing for so long. I started writing when I was professionally when I was 25 years old. I'd say it's the most fulfilling work I've ever done. And it's also the most challenging. I mean, I guess that goes hand in hand. The writing itself is flows better and is easier than anything else I write. I mean, I sit down and I feel like I just, it all comes out and it's not a struggle to come up with a response and ideas, but then going back and figuring out what the best most concise way of saying something, which I often fail to <laughs> say anything concisely. <laughs> I think that's the the really big challenge. And also, obviously, there's this, I mean, the, the column is ostensibly about existential crises, but there's a kind of a built-in existential crisis that I have in approaching the column because there's this sort of feeling like, Almost any time where I'm really failing at something in life, which, you know, we all fail constantly, obviously. Every little failure, I, there's a kind of a voice in my head that says, you give people advice. <laughs> what world have you, what crazy upside down world have we stumbled into? Well, so, um, so talk about how you stumbled into it. What was the road to Ask Polly appearing on the cut? When, okay, I, the first job I had... I wrote for a place called suck.com. It was like a .com, one of the first .com magazines or sites, uh, daily websites. And it was mostly pop cultural commentary. And I was a staff writer and I started to write a cartoon called Filler that was just weird takes on .com culture. But then as the site was starting to go under, as the .com bubble was sort of bursting in 2001, we needed cheap content. And one of the things that I uh, came up with was an advice column that was called Dear Tiny Little Penis. <laughs> and it was... How um, did I not know this? <laughs> it was sort of like aggressive, very aggressive advice, faintly marketed to the threatened male, which wow. is pretty, Is this the world's first misandrous advice column? Like maybe... <laughs> So welcoming. Lost to the Internet Archives? Does it, is it, was it ever aggregated anywhere? Um, Can I read it? All of Suck is on a mirror, has a mirror site. So okay. anything, yeah, I don't know. I've never done a search on, I used to own uh, tinylittlepenis.com, actually. <gasps> but wow. I get, gave it up at some point because I was like, I, you know, this is kind of inherently evil. I don't know. Please tell me you sold it for a lot of money. I didn't. Nobody wanted it. No one ever approached me for it. You know, if it were big fat penis or, you know, giant hulking throbbing penis, I probably could have sold it for a lot of money. But as it turns out, <laughs> not that many vanity sites were attracted to that uh, URL. So I did that for a while. It was very aggressive and funny and strange. And, and then the site went under and I started a blog. I was talking to some friends. They're like, everyone is blogging now. You should start a blog in 2001. So I started a blog called The Rabbit Blog. And I, you know, I was just looking for ways of still writing while being unemployed, essentially. And I started to give advice on my blog also. So people would write to the rabbit. And then and at first that advice was very 
uh, aggressive and kind of funny. But as I got older, I mean, I was 31 when that started. Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I grew older and my life sort of got semi sorted out, I settled down. I started having kids. My advice was sort of more, atti- you know, it, it, I mean, I, I got great letters at that blog, actually. A lot of like people had followed me there from Suck. So mm-hmm. they were very funny, smart, cynical, strange people with great, you know, problems. And mostly just almost uh, self-mocking letters. Mm-hmm. I'd get a lot of kind of like, I'm your typical, you know, those are like people encapsulating. Yeah, people <laughs> who encapsulated themselves and made fun of themselves in their letters, which I kind of miss. There's a little right. of that on Ask Polly. But anyway, I did that for um, for uh, 10 years. And then, you know, meanwhile, I was a TV critic. I was doing other things. And then at some point, I decided that The All was the my favorite website anywhere and that I should be writing for them. And I, I wrote a few humor things for them. But I wanted to write a column for them, but I wanted it to be something easy that I knew how to write with, and I, that would not require any reading of books or watching of television. So I was like, how can I sell a talking out of my ass column to the all? So I wrote to Corey, the all's founder, and I told him, just let me write an existential advice column um, and just pay me a tiny amount and, uh, and I'll do it every week. It'll be great. It will be fun. And he said, done. He just wrote back one word, done. So I said, okay, I'll send you the first one tomorrow. So I sent him this crazy, I mean, the, you know, the first column was sort of aggressive and funny and weird. I used one of my old rabbit letters that I still had because I needed something that was sort of, uh, you know, real, obviously. Sure. could just make one a up. Prompt. And I used to answer two letters at a time. And then eventually Corey said, you know, I kind of like these ones where you just do one. You know, I had one that went on and on. He was like, this one's good. I mean, the all is such a strange place. They're like, I like it when you go on for 5,000 words. That's my favorite thing. Anything that doesn't seem like it should belong in a magazine or on a normal website, that's what they like. So it was a great place to start the column because they um, embraced all my insanity and weirdness and my swearing and it kind of grew into something that I, was my favorite thing to do, and it still is my favorite thing to do. Then New York Magazine came, and and they made me an offer you to actually refuse. pay me real money. Mm-hmm. Real, I mean, you know, they all paid perfectly good money, but New York Magazine had more money, and so now I'm doing it for them. I started the column in 2012, and uh, New York Magazine approached me two years later, in the a uh, year ago, in the fall of 2014. I'm giving you the encyclopedic no, <laughs> no, I'm wondering, I'm wondering as you say this, because like, you know, Rabbit ran for a long time, and you, and yeah. actually two years of writing an advice column, even somewhere like the all, a lot of changes can happen. It's like, if you, if you were to sort of hold up one of your cut poly columns today against like a you know tiny little penis era suck column like would where are the threads that we could draw like all the way back that have stayed in it the tiny little penis stuff was just look for the joke definitely it was not i was not earnest at all when i was um i think i was like 28 20 let's see i guess i was 29 30 years old you know my voice was half formed almost kind of as a writer even though I'd been you know I'd been writing cartoons so the early stuff was just sort of gracefully and secretly insult the person who's writing to you for the sake of humor and then insult yourself and then make another joke and get out something like that very short and then the the rabbit started as 
sort of almost like we pathologizing everyone who approaches, mm -hmm. you know, immediately and then um, making jokes about personality disorders. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a different era, both in my life and in the world. I'd You'd say. really evolved. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but also like, you know, the, obviously the online world has changed a lot. Like people don't really love for you to make fun of, you know, stuff as much. <laughs> You know, you can make fun of yourself, but you have to kind of what you can't really do the things you used to do as a grumpy Gen Xer in the old days. So do you feel that you that the current state of poly like has had to reflect that change or like if you if you had your druthers, would it still be kind of mean? You know, I don't know. I, th I kind of feel like I'm less mean, although there are people who probably would not agree with that. Part of doing a good job as an advice columnist, at least for me, is definitely trying to look for a person's blind spots to some extent, but then also cultivating a lot of empathy for the person so that you, because you don't, if you don't have empathy, I mean, it's like I answer the letters where I sort of feel like, I mean, whatever, I get too many letters to answer all of them, but when I feel like I could generate some movement for the person by putting myself in their shoes and empathizing with them and also by kind of like envisioning a path out of the whatever kind of stuck place they're in that's what appeals to me so I don't I don't you know I mean my editor actually says oh I love it when you get a little mean you know like mm -hmm. what if I say like you don't even see what you're doing you know she <laughs> likes she likes that a lot um and I mean certainly there are times when I'm in that mood I because I broke my foot recently I've been not working out as much so I'm a little bit angrier than I have been <laughs> I should probably take it, advantage between of it. the lines of your <laughs> of your column so so I'm curious if um, if you get more letters than you can respond to obviously I'm not surprised to hear that what uh, I mean do you open them all and skim them like what's your process for deciding which which gets a reply the letters are kind of like my other Twitter feed so I you know I, they come in steadily and I read them and see if anything kind of sparks a um, a feeling that this is something that people should hear. The problem is, is that I tend to have a little bit of a prejudice towards like, let's see what this week's letters are. You know, like I don't look back far enough. If I get busy, sometimes I just, I mean, I have unread letters um, in my inbox and I'm sure that there are people who are much more compassionate and thorough in, or at least they would give you that impression, which is a kind of a different topic, but hmm. You know, I think that there's I mean, if there's one thing that kind of makes Ask Polly stand out against like the self-help realm or just the advice realm, I'm very against seeming like I know special things. I don't know if that comes across always because I do. I am very opinionated and I do say, you know, you can't do that. You must do this. I am I, I am aggressive um, and probably like reckless at times. I was thinking about this recently because I was writing about Angelina Jolie mm -hmm. and, you know, she's a very admirable person, but she also is extremely careful about not showing the seams of her. Like she says humble things, but they sound kind of like a press release, but it, it, she's sort of this strange combination of like approachable and very humble and vulnerable but there aren't any details, messy details where you could say, and it, you know, it's understandable given her place in the culture, obviously. But my, I was talking to my mom about it. My mom was like, well, you really hate it when people don't show their asses. Like you really don't like that. And it's true. It's like, I can't, I, I don't think that's a way for me to lead anyway. You know what I mean? Like if I am a leader at all, which is highly questionable, 
it's sort of through being kind of the biggest clown in the room. <laughs> like, huh. Sure. Yeah. But she, it's funny. It's funny because um, what's interesting about delivering it, like what, what Angelina Jolie has in common with sort of dispensing advice is sort of saying like, okay, well, I'm going to select what I show you about my experience or I'm going to, you know, I mean, obviously, um, well, maybe not obviously. Do you have like a gut reaction to things sometimes that you have to then walk back? Is there ever a letter where you're like, oh, this person is so annoying, but then the resulting column never betrays that initial ugh? Oh, yeah. I think that one of the things that keeps the column varied and fresh is that I'm an extremely moody person. And I mean, I remember getting a letter pretty recently within the last three months that I read it and I thought, God, this person is so messed up. You know, there's just so much dysfunction, just so apparent and almost to the point of being like aggravating, you know, which is that's a good letter. You want to be a little bit like, no, come on. Sure, you know? people hate read advice all the time. Yes. Like, be like, my life is so together, I'm not this person. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I favor like a, a a feeling of, oh God, oh God, you know, like, look what you're doing, you know, <laughs> more over like, my cousin's aunt wants to visit and where is she going <laughs> to, you know, I'm not. The Ann Landers variety yeah. of. Well, yeah. you know, I, I think Dear Prudence is much more like yeah. that than I am. Yeah. Cheryl Strayed was much more the big problem. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I find the the will to keep going kind of thing, sure. which I think is probably a little bit closer in my neighborhood. But she also has more. Um, she's almost like more of a religious leader than I am. You know, yeah, for sure. (laughs) She's more of a figurehead, you know, like I'm more like I lead by bad example. And she's more like, you know, that's what you want. That's where you want to land. I'm more like I'm like at the halfway point, (laughs) you know, like you want to kind of get up to where I am and then hopefully surpass me. Like, that's my goal for you. Right. Just lift people up right past you. Yeah. Yeah. Go go on. I'm not like Oprah. Come sit on this couch. This is heaven right here. Uh, Now you have to go back to your sad little life. No, it's more like, go, you can, you can do more than this. Um, Have you ever asked a stranger for advice? Uh, Yeah. I, I, I remember when I was younger. Okay. I never wrote to an advice columnist at all, but uh, when I was younger, I did write a few terrible, really long-winded fan letters to people. I wrote one to Cynthia Heimel. Do you remember her? No. Cynthia Heimel was the greatest female feminist single woman humorist in the universe. She wrote a column. I think she wrote a column for the LA Times. She had a few books that a friend of mine turned me on to when I was about 25. You should go see if you can find a book of hers. She's I mean, she was, God, she's just super, one of the first, I mean, the thing is, okay, these days, a lot of writers are very voicey and funny, and they're just, you know, the internet is just kind of made for that, especially right now. But in the old days, it was sort of like Fran Leibowitz and um, Dorothy Parker and Renata Adler and Joan Didion, you know, everyone my age read Joan Didion up into every single word that, you know, every aspiring writer read every word that she ever wrote. There I weren't like aspiring a million. writers still do. They still do yeah. that. Okay. Anyway, but go there on. There weren't like a million sources of inspiration. Sure, like I feel sure. like the internet is just flooded with, I mean, granted there, obviously there are people who are kind of bland and there are people who are kind of like really spicy and interesting, but there are a lot of really funny voices, female voices, I think now out there. Sure. So anyway, Cynthia Heimel, I wrote her some letter and I was like, you know, 
I just, you know, want to be you. Tell me all about you and what you do to just the typical, you know, how do you do what you do? Just tell me. I, I need to know. You know, I'm your best friend. I'm outside your apartment right now. Did you handwrite this letter and put it in an envelope <laughs> and like and like walk it to her door? I think I sent it to some address on one of her books or something. Hmm. Just totally, you know, pointless. <laughs> so you didn't get a response. No, no, I don't, you know, maybe, well, let's see, was there email at the time? Did I find an email address for her? Is that possible? Or no, I just remember writing this terrible, and you know, it was like the kind of fan letter that you write the whole thing, and then you read it, and you're just, you almost hate yourself that you even (laughs) just sullied, you know, you just, so obsequious that you can't even live with yourself anymore. And did you specifically say, I mean, I know you said, like, I want to do what you do, but did you say, and how can I, or like, and how did you, how, how do I do that? You know, it was sort of more like, you know, you read some writers and you just feel like this is my best friend. (laughs) When you're done with the book, you're just like, I mean, I hadn't read a ton of really self-deprecating, interesting, funny women writers at that point in my life. You know, I was like 26 years old. Everything was wrong. I mean, I remember my bad years really well. I think it comes into play a lot in my advice column. Yeah, sure. You have to have a really clear memory of the bad times in order to... I think do a good job of do whatever, do the job that I want to do. Right. Right. I mean, I think that people do a really good job of inspiring people mm-hmm. when they've arrived, you know, higher than where I am. <laughs> uh. So what else do you feel like you need to draw on as you're, as you're responding to people? I mean, honestly, the, and this is a very kind of Oprah couch answer, but <laughs> we are on a couch right it, or now. we are sitting on a couch. So maybe that's why it's, it's uh, <laughs> making me think that way. I've been thinking lately about how I just have a lot of built in challenges as a human being. I mean, I think everyone can see themselves that way probably, but, um, but I think that I'm realizing more and more as you know, I'm 45 years old and I kind of see more and more how I'm like a very high maintenance houseplant. I require a lot of different kinds of care in order to thrive. And you take away one of the things. Like I'm like one of those orchids that you move it across the room and it just dies. You know? Like a Trader Joe's orchid. Yeah. Although <laughs> the most I, delicate orchid. I have to say I do. I have my first orchid. I always thought orchids were really high maintenance. And somebody gave me an orchid as a gift. And it's the most amazing thing. It stays flowering all the time. I move it anywhere I want to. It's like a very flexible friend. This is a free metaphor for you to use in a future <laughs> I know. (laughs) Write that down. I actually think it helps me. The fact that I almost every day is its own kind of challenge. And I never really know. I mean, I'm an extreme. You know, I don't think that I'm bipolar. I've been kind of flirting with like, am I bipolar? I am moody to the I'm definitely pathologically moody, you know, a light Um, flirtation with being bipolar. (laughs) But then there are these eras where I'm just doing all it's most of it, I think, is physical. It's like there are times when I do all the physical things right. Mm -hmm. And I know that not everyone is ruled completely by the physical. I do think as you get older, you're more ruled by it. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I've just been marveling at how much I need to do really well. And but then when I am doing really well. I mean, I'm a ha- I definitely have just started to define myself as a solidly happy person. You know, I would say two years ago, like I started to say, no, I am. J-. A friend of mine said to me, what does that mean? Happy? I mean, what is happy? What is that even? No one's really happy. And I remember saying, 
I am genuinely happy, especially compared to the old days. But I mean, I'm always happier and happier. But like now I would say I own the word happy. I'm definitely happy. A knowledge of how just sort of like fragile happiness can be even when you're genuinely happy overall, it it helps because, you know, I feel like I constantly have my hands on all the levers, mm. you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I recognize that I'm just a very self-conscious about how much it takes. I think there are people who give advice that are, it's sort of more like, you know, you just have to do this. Like the simplicity of it, I find frustrating because I know that they're just many different dimensions to it. Yeah. And it's funny, as you were saying that, I found myself thinking about authority and how um, I think at first blush, a lot of people would say that in order to be a good advice columnist, you would have to really be in the place where you are now and sort of say, oh, I'm, I've got it. I'm, I'm happy on some deep underlying level, not just, you know, this afternoon. Um, because I had a good day. And, uh, but really, like, in terms of having material to draw on and being a good advice columnist, I feel like you're better qualified if you aren't. <laughs> aren't it's, completely happy. Yeah, it's kind of what you're saying. Or at least having had, like, significant experiences where you are dissatisfied and unhappy. As opposed yeah. to having a lifelong, got it together, like, veneer of, I don't know, whatever kind of perfection you might fine yeah I mean I think that I can't decide sometimes I think that I have more do I have more trouble just navigating life than anyone else or do I just talk about it too much or do I think about it too much or do I am I just attracted to these subjects you know I mean this is the other thing am I just a connoisseur of problems you know, love and <laughs> problems and suffering and analysis and do I think too much I mean I think that I do think that a lot of people who are attracted to my advice column are a little bit neurotic and and usually kind of smart. I dare I say, um, it, the overthinkers. Overthinkers for sure. Overthinkers it. anonymous. Oh my god, that's <laughs> it. That's the that's the ask Polly club right there. Overthinkers definitely, but but it's also there's a base level of optimism because you wouldn't read advice columns that are that remind you of your own onboard optimism, which I think ask Polly tries to do, um, if you didn't have some in some tank somewhere. I mean, if I were, I think that if I were just a really dark, dark, dark person, I would not be attracted to my particular advice column. It definitely appeals to people who are reasonably optimistic and hopeful, but who have possibly depressive, uh, you know, biology or a lot of neuroticism or all of the above. A shitty boyfriend. <laughs> That's like a, a very large category, actually. <laughs> of people. Is there some lesson or piece of advice or general point that you seem to find yourself making or maybe wanting to make over and over? Maybe not every column, but something that you're like, oh, wow, I'm ending up here again. Um, yeah, I, I definitely I've been thinking about trying to write a bunch of tarot cards for Ask Polly, which oh my God, please. very <laughs> dangerous and difficult to think about doing this because Going back to old columns, you look back and you say, oh, oh, look, I, I found another metaphor for a noncommittal boyfriend. How interesting. And oh, there's another way of saying that, you know, you should own your flaws. I mean, definitely. OK, the most fundamental, which I, I hate to boil it down because I mean, I asked you to boil it down, kind of, you know, I want to reinvent. Not only do I want to reinvent the wheel of, you know, 
oh, look, I'm writing about the human condition and it involves the band. Yes. You know, <laughs> like I just I want to like, you know, have a, a, a feeling of discovery every time I write the column because I think that it it creates all of this energy um, and weirdness when you do that. But, I, you know, I'm probably a little bit of an idiot savant that way, though, <laughs> because I'm not necessarily like, you know, I could just probably read a few really great books by Thoreau and Walden and I'd suddenly be like, oh, well, they, they said everything that I, you know, that I've been saying. Why am I even writing a column? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, this has actually been said. You know, it's a, my greatest fear. I think for any writer, the greatest fear is like, oh, it's all been said. I have nothing to add to the pile. You know? I kind of disagree with that, actually. Really? I think that um, and maybe this is maybe this makes me not a real writer or something. But I actually think that sometimes the same point could have been made or the same thing could have been said, you know, a million times before, but like, you know, saying it in, in a certain tone or with a certain amount of supporting evidence or in a certain context, or I don't know. I mean, like the, the, the world in which that writing appears is different. Like when you, when you create it now. And I think that, yeah, sometimes you're like, okay, that is legit just a thing that someone has written a million times. But I think that sometimes at first blush, things can appear like they've been written before or it can be like oh yeah that's the same general argument but like really it's it hits a, a new generation or a new type of reader or a new moment i don't know well it's also i mean i do think that everything is just you know is just a matter of kind of repeating itself in different ways that's kind of what i'm saying yeah. yeah but it's kind of a good feeling too it's sort of like, oh, there, you know, I used to think that the world is just an endless, you know, there's endless wisdom out there and you had to just navigate to it and digest it and find some more. And it's sort of nice at some point to realize like, oh, this is a little bit recursive. Like, you know, the seasons are a metaphor for so many things. <laughs> you know, like, that's okay. And the human condition is sort of all about love and hope and opening your heart you know i mean the, these basic things that you resist when you're younger like oh jesus opening your heart again you know go fuck yourself um but uh, but but and yet you know you do realize at some point like okay that i mean you realize this when you're younger than i am but the cliches are true and there are actually all kinds of interesting ways to express um the same idea there are also a lot of really boring ways to express the same idea. Yes. Right now, I'm reviewing Nicholas Sparks <laughs> for a book forum. Oh, wow. Uh, it's like each line, every single line is a cliche. It's just one, it's just a pot, tumble, a tumble, tumbling for A cascade forth. of cliche. Nothing is new. There's just, it's all like, I feel like I've read this and this and this. Anyway, I'm just an asshole. But the bottom line is, I'm an asshole, I think. But what was the, where were we? I mean, <laughs> you a, tell me. a couple of questions back. Yeah, I was asking exactly. about like, like pieces oh, what, of advice that crop up again yeah, and again. Yeah, or crop themes up again, that yeah. are sort of like, oh, this, this is something that I want to tell lots of people, even if their questions are different. The basic, I think, thrust of most of my columns is that the, one of the most crucial parts of being an adult and also finding love for yourself and finding love with other people, but finding connection with other people. It's really hard to connect with other people when you think that there's some uh, deep-seated flaw in you that needs to be expunged. And I think that most people feel that way about themselves, actually. The more I've been doing what I do, the more I feel um, 
exposed to that basic problem that in it, I used to think when I was younger that it was, um, you know, you go to therapy and you find out who fucked you up and how they did it. <laughs> and then you're angry for a while and hopefully you forgive the people who screwed you up because they made such big mistakes. And then, you know, and then you try to set out. And of course, you're setting out to never make the same shitty mistakes those bad people that fucked you up did. There's a point where you kind of realize we actually all find ways of drawing a line from our feeling of being unacceptable and not good enough and an imposter and a misfit um, and not quite right and not in the stream of things. We find ways of looking at that stuff you know, I'm not happy enough. Everyone else is happy. I'm not cute enough. I'm not cheery enough. Um, I don't fit in. We draw, we find a way of drawing a line from that to the past and saying, this is why this went wrong. That went wrong. I mean, I wrote a memoir and it was kind of all about that. I know I read it and I liked it a lot. (laughs) Not sucking up, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. But I mean, it's, it's, it's a great process, you know, and I think that I stand by most of the lines I drew in that narrative, but I do think that there's a point where you have to say, hold on, I'm not, it's not my, this very specific thing, this narrative I've been drawing is not actually, it could apply to anyone. Um, The point at which you can say to yourself, wow, I'm not, I wasn't, you know, the ideal friend or the ideal girlfriend to this person or that person. So they moved on, but that actually wasn't some verdict on, you know, Oh, I really am not good enough. You know, I di- I, I lost this job or I quit this job cause I wasn't good at it, but that wasn't actually me finding out it's true. I'm a loser. Just like I suspected. There's a point where you just say, Oh, I am kind of a wreck and I always will be. I'm always going to be redefining who I am. I'm always going to be learning new skills. I'm constantly going to be trying to improve myself. I'm constantly going to be failing people, you know, left and right, of course, you know, because I'm a human being and we all actually are in the same fucking boat and we're all, you know, fumbling through and trying to do the best we can. That definitely is the first piece of it. And then the second piece is like, once you accept that feeling your connection to other people, you know, feeling how good actually it feels to be just another sort of misshapen freak in the world. It actually feels great. You know, it's, it's like a, to me, that is happiness. It's happiness to say, I can't do everything perfectly, you know, and maybe that's just a, a very modern, you know, our culture kind of problem to think that you should be able to do everything, but maybe it's just a, a, a side effect of how beautifully everything is marketed to us now and how beautifully everything is designed and humans are designed so beautifully. They're so polished, you know, and they say the right things and they're so poised. And I think that we live in a pretty anxious time as a result of the way that we are presented to each other in the world. Um, and I think that there's something totally freeing about just saying, I don't have to be, that's successful. I don't have to even sound very good. I can sound kind of like a freak and life goes on and people will like you for you. You know, once you decide, once you decide that you're acceptable, you know, and that you are good enough. It's again, this sounds like every other thing (laughs) in the universe when I really spell it out. But, um, yeah. 
that what how many things can there be really <laughs> we we didn't really set out to take listener questions but we set up an email inbox i don't know what we thought people would send there maybe links but they frequently do send us questions and life dilemmas and we are universally terrible like we decide like this is a great question we're going to answer this one and then one of us reads it and then we both go like uh, 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 like we just kind of make a bunch of noises that I'm sure Gina edits out most of them. But yeah, so what what advice do you have for us as sort of like super amateur level readers and and givers of advice? What I what I like is listening to someone's problem and then thinking about the one area of the problem that seems a little different than everything else, like. There are these tells, you know, when you find the little thread that seems off, you pull it and the whole sweater comes apart. It fits in with every other problem that they have. The thing that interests you the most about the question is the linchpin to the whole question. Does that make sense? And it's sort of an instinctive thing. Often what people say they're asking, it's not even their reigning issue. The issue is sometimes what they say they're good at. You know what I mean? Like, I know what I, I got this great letter that was like, I know everything's fine. My life is going forward in a perfectly fine way. I broke up with my boyfriend and he told me in a really nice way. And I talked to my therapist about it and she said, you handled it perfectly and it was great. And, you know, so I know I'm on track (laughs) and I don't have any big questions about whether I'm worthy or not. And it was like, then the whole, the whole letter, what she kept saying is, I'm not asking you if I'm worthy or not. I'm not asking you if I'm good enough or not because I know that I am. I know I am. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. I'm healthy. You know, and it was like, oh, so you're wondering if you're worthy or not. Because <laughs> you right. keep saying right. that's not what you're asking. It's not what I'm asking. I think looking for that thing that someone really doesn't, sometimes it's like the thing that someone doesn't want to address is the thing that they are absolutely, is the first thing they should address, right? Sure. Um, so that, I mean, it's hard to do that in real time though. Let me say, I'm not, I don't want to be you. And there, again, it's not really comparable to what you do or to even what someone would do on like a call and advice show. But, but yeah, we, it's funny. It's not that I, I don't think we thought it would be easy, but I think it was like, oh, people are sending us these things. So we should maybe respond to some of them. It wasn't even like, oh, this is no big deal. Everyone does this. It's well, you could process it, but I mean, I think that writers think on the page, better than they do probably live. I mean, sh- clearly I think on the page much more clearly than I As do, do live. I. Yeah. yeah. You're a little bit more, you're a little smoother than I am. So you're a little better at, um, let's see how I, see how I compare, see my hierarchy of value. I know. I, I was, just, I was just thinking, I was like, I'm what very would weak. Polly say about I know, that? Very, <laughs> I know. I'm very weak. One of the, one of the giant fears about doing what I do and uh-huh. like kind of it's, it's going to be fun for people to see just how fucked up I am. I'm not just, people think that I just exa- like, oh, you know, I'm really a mess too a lot of the time. You know, it's like, oh, sure, Polly, you have it all figured out. It's like, no, it's quite apparent to most people who know me, right. actually. It's all about, life is about struggle. Struggle is real. That's what we say on the podcast. The struggle oh, is real. The yeah. struggle is real. That's yeah. great. Yeah. That's, that's your motto. I mean, it's one of many, but yeah, I feel like it comes up frequently. <laughs> the struggle is the real. struggle is real. It's like when there's nothing left to say. Like, <laughs> that's great. That's really real. good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that. I'm stealing it. Uh, please do. Heather, thanks for, for chatting for the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Anne. I really appreciate it. It was so fun. 
That was really cool. That's really awesome. I'm really glad I got to experience that. I know. We like side by side and Gina sat across from us and recorded it. And it was it was like the most Barbara Walters I've ever been in my life. I soon maybe, you know, maybe 2017 we'll be doing these on video and you can like get the full like soft lens effect. I don't know, man. Face for radio over here. So <laughs> I don't, don't even lie. Don't even lie. Mostly what I'm saying is that like the only way that I will take this show on video is if I can wear sweatpants like all of the time. I mean, I think that that would be a core tenet of our show. Caftans and sweatpants right? on camera. I feel like that's the Rachel Maddow thing, right? Like she's only ever wearing the blazer on top, but on the bottom, it's like all pajama bottoms or something. Business on top, party on the bottom. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, you know what? Happy holidays, everyone. Uh, and we'll see you on the internet. See you on the internet in 2016. You can find us many places on the internet, on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. Download our show on the Acast app or on iTunes, where we would love it if you left us a review. You can tweet at us at callyrgf or email us callyrgf at gmail.com. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. This podcast is produced by Gina Delvac.